This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. If you have a question or comment for Kelly and Ramya, call the feedback line at 1-866-509-4545 and give us permission to use your message on the air. Or email your thoughts to Kelly and Ramya at AMI.ca. kicking off the second hour of Kelly and Rumia on AMI. Thanks for joining us. We're here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Kels, do you wear your watch during the show? Uh, no. I had stopped wearing the watch during the pandemic. Um, just because when we first had the pandemic start, we kept worrying about surfaces and stuff. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't need to be dumping that much cleaning stuff on my watch because of the worry of checking time. Because right. I use Braille watches primarily. And then touching, as I said, don't touch your eye. Don't touch your nose. Don't do it. So I actually stopped wearing mm. watches for a long time. But do want to take them and actually visit my jeweler and have him clean them at least because they've they've pretty well sat for three years. You know, it's fantastic because you're talking about traditional watches and I was genuinely thinking only of the Apple Watch. So... <laughs> Or at least some kind of. I put that watch. one away too because that's yeah. the same. I I was it was yeah. to me the same same concern. No, of but it, that concern really went away a while ago. I just though want to take. Cause remember, I have a few watches: the Bradley, mm-hmm. uh, the Tissot, some really cool tactile watches that give great feedback and stuff. And, and I love watches, but the, it, with the pandemic, I put them away, and you know, it kind of helps because. I'm, I used to be very obsessed with checking the time. And mm. if you said to me, just after I checked it, what time is it? I, I wouldn't know. So. That's exactly why I asked. <laughs> because, you know, it's it's one thing to, like, always worry about what time it is. But it's another thing if you watch, like the, the new smartwatches do, kind of give you haptic feedback on the hour, on the half hour, as, as much as you need, really. So it actually alleviates a lot of my time checking. And I appreciate that during the show yeah well and we all know monitoring time too much gets to be a little more than you need to do unless you're doing a show like now and saying we're eating into mary's Uh time so let's bring in the talk food as we do every week on the program mary mamaliti to talk food if you're like me the kitchen is your favorite room in the house i'm mary mamaliti here with a handful of goodies from my kitchen including food trends cooking tips and of course some delicious recipes Always wonderful to have you with us, Mayor. Welcome back this week. Where are we beginning, Mary? What are we um, finding out that's new and maybe even exciting in the world of food? Okay, so we're beginning. Thank you for having me back because I love chatting with you guys. You know this. I say it every week. We're going to say it every week moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that, right? (laughs) I think we should start every (laughs) single one with, I love chatting with you. Love, love having you here. Love chatting. Uh, by the way, what's new in the world of fast food? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's begin with the Golden Arches. So McDonald's. McDonald's Canada, they add to its breakfast lineup with a new bacon, egg, and smoky Gouda muffin. Or nice. McMuffin, I should say. Right? right? Or a bagel. Right? It's it's an egg topped with smoke-flavored Gouda cheese, smoky-flavored sauce, Hickory smoked bacon, and I'm slowing down while I'm saying this because there is so much smoke happening in this sandwich. Um, And it's just all put between a toasted English muffin or a bagel, which I think is absolutely delicious. I love Buddha. What are you thinking of the sauce? Do you need it? Like, would you... I don't know. What is it? Is it barbecue? I I thought it would be barbecue. No, I think it's kind of like a creamy hickory kind of sauce. I hope so, if it's anything... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on not, the fence. I, I mean, don't need a sauce personally. But what if it's good? But if it's like, what if it's like the 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 Big Mac sauce? No, I don't need the Big Mac <sighs> sauce on my breakfast sandwich. No way. Yeah. No, no, but she. You know, so I don't personally. Me, I'm a sauce. Uh, if it's a thick enough and it actually does have that smoky taste, uh, then yeah, you know, it might be okay. But I, I'm going to rely on the Gouda and and the darn bacon to really. Really yeah. set the tone for me. Yeah, I like that they specified oh, the cheese. You know, it's not just cheese; it's gouda, which I like. Or, yeah, or what exactly. if, Mayor, it's a little more mixed in with the gouda? So you almost have the gouda Ooh. with that sauce. Oh, that might do it. Where it's not so ew, it's messy. Yeah. Wow, yeah, we're I mean, giving McDonald's so I'm much press towards. right now. Sorry, go I'm ahead. Really- <laughs> 
that's where I'm leaning. I don't like the messy. If it's yeah. not that dripping all over me, I'm good. But yeah, that's speaking my of, all right. not messy is Doritos Canada. Yeah. So Doritos Canada, they introduced a new sweet and tangy barbecue flavor tortilla chip. So this is available now for a limited time only. So if you want to try it out, get out there, sample it. Um, it sounds delicious. I don't need mm. a sample. I'm just going to buy the whole bag. I know I like this. I love Doritos. <laughs> right into it. Was there, wait, say the title again. Was there spicy in this or just tangy? Sweet and tangy. But it's barbecue flavored. Yeah, I'm so down. barbecue I'm always down. has like a little bit of that hickory kind of spice thing yeah. happening. KFC Canada. Guys, KFC is offering up, check this out, $10 meal for two. Get out. Seriously. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this includes pieces of bone-in chicken. So right. about four uh -huh. pieces of that, dark meat. Two individual orders of popcorn chicken. Two individual fries. And two dips for about 10 bucks. How? And this offer is valid, I know, now through February 12th. So, so sorry to those yeah. who thought they were going to treat their Valentine to this. <laughs> it's not happening, but it ends May February 12th. <laughs> is this because, well, that's the reason it ends Feb 12th, but it, do you think <laughs> there's a, is there a slowdown on the bone-in chicken? Because that the, the chicken without bones seems to be the preferred and loved by so many people now that well, I wonder the if it's their chicken. way. Yeah, I agreed. But what I'm saying is, yeah. I wonder if this kind of special, because you like your reaction to $10, wow, I wonder if it's that move yeah. to get people back into buying that, the boneless, or just Buying KFC, it. period. It is, yes. buying KFC, Very but possible. also the bone-in, and they mentioned dark meat. So dark meat is also Ooh, known to favorite. be cheaper than yeah. a breast. Yep. Um, so the white meat. And so more the flavorful. They really are. That's you, my I don't favorite. know. Yes. Like, do you guys think KFC fell off? We got to move on. But do you think KFC fell off? Because I've always liked KFC. I prefer, uh, I, you know, Popeyes, but just saying. But that's why I think Popeye has bit into the market. So, Taking and over. Mary Brown yeah, okay. so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need a segment just on fried chicken. Yeah, please. Yeah. Okay. But it's interesting the dark meat because most people do yes. prefer the white. Oh, go ahead, Krispy Kreme. Okay, Krispy Kreme. We're going to switch it up. Krispy Kreme Canada introduces its new Biscoff Donuts. So this new donut collection, just in case you needed more sugar, combines the Krispy Kremes like the original glaze with the Lotus Biscoff cookies and cookie butter. So this collection, it includes, okay, you ready for this? Biscoff iced donuts so this is just your basic Krispy Kreme the original glazed donut and it's dipped mm -hmm. in that Biscoff cookie butter icing okay delicious mm. it is they take it even a step further Biscoff cookie butter cheesecake donut oh yeah so it's an original glazed dip donut again Biscoff cookie butter icing topped with a swirl of cream cheese buttercream that sounds so and good. then Biscoff okay. crumble okay right wow. yeah they, I'm down. they amp it up even one more and they put in Biscoff cookie butter cream-filled donut. Say that three times fast. Mm. Oh, wow. It's a shelled donut filled with Biscoff cookie butter uh. cream filling, dipped in Biscoff cookie butter icing, Ooh. and then topped with a swirl of dark chocolate icing, icing and then Biscoff crumble. Okay, I want to make My like goodness. a fourth custom donut where it's the uh -oh. second one with the cheesecake and with the dark chocolate on top. As, as a double, do oh, I was going to yeah. say, are they going to make no, a I don't double want donut filled. out of it? I don't want to No, but okay, gotcha. Yep. But yeah, Krispy Kreme. I mean, or you can always just put one in each hand and just take a bite of it. Obviously. Each. That was my <laughs> second option. <laughs> I just like um, how you kept going further with the steps, Mary, with it. Oh, boy, yeah, yes. that's great. But um, oh, God, there's more. <laughs> are they late to the Biscoff game, Mary? This is, Biscoff has been trending for like, what, two years now? It has, but I don't think you're ever late to the Biscoff trend. All right. Okay. Just saying, right. I think you, know. you could you could take a break from it, and then when you taste it again, it's like it's the first time you've had it. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and right. if everybody gets into it, jumps into it, people start getting kind of fatigued from it, but then you come out with a different, hey, this is what we've done to ours. It's right. sort of like what you could go back to McDonald's and the smoke gouda. And the smoke's been around for a while. It's been really big. What yeah. are they going to come to the table with? And, wow, that's kind of a different, uh, wow. And, and you're anxious because it's McDonald's. Let's go try that. Yeah, speaking of McDonald's, exactly. because we spent, you know, more than half the segment on fast food, maybe we should move over to fine dining and talk about <laughs> yeah. Winterlicious in Toronto a bit. Okay, so Winterlicious, it's back. It's back with more than 200 Toronto restaurants. They're offering up, okay, I want to say relatively affordable, price-fixed yeah. meals. 
right? So they are less than what you would normally get charged if you went in for a regular evening out. Um, they're prefixed, so they have specific menus. And this is the first time back since 2020. So this Ooh. is exciting. Mm -hmm. Wow. Winterlicious, it actually kicks off tomorrow. So January 27th and runs until February 9th. Um, and I know, I want to mention, I know dining, um, dining out right now, budgets are tighter than ever. But if you want to treat yourself, if you want to go to that restaurant that you've been dying to try or dining to eat at, this is the time to do it. Even if there's an, a special occasion, this is the time. So menus will range from six different price points. They're beginning at $25 and they can go up to $75, depending on lunch or dinner. And there's six different price ranges in between. Yeah. If you want a full listing, visit toronto.ca slash winterlicious, and they'll give you a full listing of participating restaurants. A few notes I want to mention really quickly. Accessibility. So accessible venues. Each restaurant is asked to identify whether the location is fully accessible, whether it's barrier-free, wheelchair accessible. So you can find this and the accessibility information on the restaurant profile page. Mm -hmm. So you can go there, sort the, or you can also sort the restaurant list or the map. And then that'll bring you to the participating restaurants. Contact them if you want more yeah. information. Okay. And then you're not required to make reservations. However, do it. Do it. This way it's just, yeah, yeah, just do it. It'll it'll alleviate any wait times and it'll just be guarantee that table. And with it indoor eating enjoyable. in this weather, indoor eating, it's totally different than Summerlicious. Summerlicious, there's patio space and usually a lot more space yeah. in general. Uh, but it, with Winterlicious, you're, you're looking at limited space space and seating and yeah. all that. Uh, the, exactly. the website itself is pretty accessible too, the, the whole, you know, method of looking through Winterlicious restaurants. There yeah. are a few gotchas, so just keep exploring and navigating if you are a screen reader user because sometimes you can feel stuck. Um, but mm -hmm. it, it is organized very well and there's lots of good information on each profile page. Kitchen Confession yeah. podcast plug, Mary, real quick. Real quick. Um, episode 128, we have a few actually that have been released, but I wanted to mention this one, New Indian Basics with Prina Shohan. She is all about spices. She and her mother, Arvinda, they've been teaching Indian cooking classes for decades. So the Duel's now newly released cookbook, New Indian Basics. They aim to teach people how to cook with beautiful spices and gain confidence cooking exceptional Indian meals at home. Awesome. All right, Mary, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Check out Mary's discussions and recipes on kitchenconfession.com. We're talking four-day work weeks after the break with our friends from Robert Half. We'll be right back. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Sometimes I find myself just scrolling through and reading all the details and descriptions of Winterlicious restaurants here in Toronto when they uh, start <laughs> taking place. And Kelly, yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding. Like I've had several sessions for when Summerlicious came on this year, several sessions of just screen time. Okay, nothing more. I only visited one restaurant in the end, but at the the amount of time spent, just, oh my gosh, mouth-watering. Well, you want to be prepared to, and you know what I've found when I've looked at any menus or something like Winterlicious or, or you know, you, you almost get blown away by the description. Of course right? it is. That's the, what the it is. The word choice, you know, it doesn't just make, make you hungry necessarily. You just think, wow. And I just think it would be awesome to sit down with a chef yep. that tells you their ideas mm -hmm. or sitting there with you gets an idea and talks about how they're going to make something, what they're going to infuse it with. Just It just sort of goes back to what we were talking about, uh, the olfactory senses, you know, when it came to colognes. and per How do you balance that taste right. off? How do you complement it? Yes. I, I think listening to them talk about, let alone now someone takes it and says, how do I put it into words? Well, these are the words you use. And it's poetry. It is, and it's such a clean layout, the way they have things organized on uh, Toronto.ca for Winterlicious, Summerlicious, and all the the descriptions, you know, if you're doing um, your courses, all the different uh, starter options, entree options, dessert options, drink options, and then all the various ingredients that they use, like you said, dietary restrictions and things to keep oh, in mind. Yeah. So because yeah. so much detail is put into it, you can't help but 
want to go through everything and not to mention, mm -mm. you know, hundreds of restaurants and all very diverse culturally anywhere and everywhere around the world is being featured on Winterlicious. And now could you imagine if we could see those wonderful pictures of the I food know. to make it even, even more appetizing? Ah, well, yeah. Just going to have to yes. go and try it out. <laughs> That's so right. Good. Make your own picture at the table before you eat it. Yeah, I'm a big fan though. So if you do get to check it out, it's a really wonderful experience. Let's talk For about any of them around the country, any of them. Yes. We have it here in London and many yes. other places. It's really caught on. Exactly. Well, I'm Ramia Amuthin. Kelly McDonald is the other voice, and we're the hosts of Kelly and Ramia. We're going to talk about some recent research by Robert Half. We check in with our friends from Robert Half periodically on the show, at least once a month. But this recent research suggests that four-day work weeks may be picking up steam. Woohoo! How cool is that? Michael French from Robert Half Canada is here to join us and uh, tell us more about this trend. Michael, welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure being on with you. Especially to talk about the upward trend of four-day work weeks. <laughs> it's like we're, well, we're putting it in reality. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. So This is, this is exciting. I got to tell you, all the things we've talked about in the last couple of years, this one has me really, really excited. Yes. I think you spoke it out into the universe, actually, last time you talked about it. You were like, I would be excited, and now here it is. But let's break it down, though, because, you know, we're not going to all get out of here and say, okay, bye, we're not coming back tomorrow. It's a four-day work week. What's happening? How many managers and workplaces are actually supporting this? Do you have an idea? So we did the, the, the survey late last year, so it's fairly recent, mm -hmm. and we surveyed senior managers in Canada. So this is very relevant to our geography. And shockingly, 91% of senior managers said they would support a four-day work week for their team. Wow. So that number blew me away. I thought, you know what, maybe 50%. It came through 91% of senior managers. Let's just let that so sink Michael, in for a bit. <laughs> and in your opinion, Michael, do you think this uh, would be the similar same number? And I've asked you this kind of question before. Prior to the pandemic, would that number have been as high? Because we've heard about four-day work week being kicked around, especially with continental shifts and stuff like that, for a long time, and the places that could do it. Uh, do you think we're hearing that high 95, wow, uh, it, it, prior to the pandemic? So I think COVID and the pandemic really opened our eyes to what is possible. I think pre-COVID, yeah. you know what, you think of all the change we've had pre-COVID, well, you know, it went from a 40-hour work week to 37 and a half to maybe 35. Like, those, those are minor changes over a very long period of time. And COVID showed us that there's a different way to work. There's a different way to engage with your employer, engage with your employees. And so I think COVID really has opened our eyes to what's possible. Oh, yeah. and to give you an idea, a quarter of the people surveyed said it is on their wish list for 2023. Oh. So wow. one in four, one in four people expect it to come this year. And we asked managers, 70% said in the next five years, we're going to be there for sure. Okay. Wow, that's incredible. When Lining you think up. About, but well, and, and just that now what, uh, maybe, how could we do it? Only certain places could do it to now, sure, we're going to get there. What effect would this have on employees? So that, that's the big thing. And, and what, when you look at what it's going to look like, so there's talk of, well, is it right. four tens for all your pay? Is it, is it four eights, four, four fifths? You know, that's all still being worked out and who knows where it's going to land. But one of the things that's really interesting is over COVID, we really enjoyed some flexibility. We enjoyed um, coaching soccer. We enjoyed leaving early Tuesdays, dropping kids off at school. But we start talking about a compressed four-day work week we may have to flex on some of those things because there's you got to put in your 40 hours. So yeah. you may be working eight mm. to six. Does that mean the kids have to now find a new way to school or there's no more coaching soccer on Tuesdays? So then that brings the whole idea of, well, then how much more flexibility? Will you be working well into the evening? So all these questions can be worked out. But we know because of COVID, we worked them out already once. We can work them through again. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, maybe we can't jump for joy just yet. But as you said, we've adapted already pretty significantly in the last couple of years. So uh, it's interesting to see the lineup, the alignment of managers and supervisors and employers and employees' uh, thoughts and perspectives on where they want to be as well. That part is quite interesting to me. 
Yeah, and I think it's going to be different for every person. When you think of the different, I don't want to use stereotypes, but maybe age demographics. We, we've got sort of new workers and the millennials, and then we have the Y and the Z and the Xers and the boomers. So everybody wants something different. We have some, some cohorts that have to take care of kids. Some have elder care. Some would love to have Fridays off and they can go golfing, or some people want right. to get an early jump on the, the cottage weekend. So I think it'll be a, a sort of a one-on-one -on -one approach. It definitely won't be one size fits all. And it may come down to at different stages of your life, what is your specific family situation? Mm. And does it does it mesh? Yeah, and the one-on-one yeah. -on -one too could work in the flexibility of uh, employees as well, right? Like you work on a Monday, I work on a Friday, that kind of thing, and then switch it up. But I love the transparency and communication that obviously needs to continue building for us to make something like this work. How about productivity, Michael? Did anything come up about that? So that's the interesting part here. So we, we, we didn't talk about productivity, but it really comes down to a fine balance between the ultimate flexibility, which would be working four days and working when you really, it fits your life, with can you get as much done now as you would have five days or even pre-pandemic? Because we're starting to hear, you know, we're hearing lots of sort of rumblings and big companies mandating back to the office and getting rid of some flexibility, you know, yep. productivity's down a bit. So we're, we're hearing that. We're hearing about it more and more now. So that definitely is on the radar. But I think this might be a little blip blip. I think we're going back to, uh, we'll get through this. You know, we talk about is the recession coming or not? I'm no economist, but who knows? We, we feel some headwinds, but I think when we're, when we're through this, we're going to go back and embrace some flexibility because the paradigm has shifted to what is going to attract the very best people to my company. And we know that they want flexibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we've always talked about the demands, those best people, make for their own lives. We've talked a lot about mental health and what we need for that balance of work and life and just feeling this is my best time to work. Well, we don't offer that. Just because you like to get up at 10 in the morning, we need you here at eight and you just work. And a lot of time, Michael, we know that that is not for that person may not be the most productive time, maybe later is. So I, I think that I'm anxious to see what people have learned, what employers have learned about their own staff individually. And I think, like you say, it's definitely going to come down to, well, this team tends to work better at this point and this time of the day, uh, maybe even they want openings in the day. Did, was there was those kinds of things discussed when we talk about the sacrifices employers or workers were willing to make? Well, you know, Kelly, you hit a really good part there. It's not everybody works the same way. Mm -hmm. And so as we go yeah. back and we approach people one-on-one, -on -one, look at the example you use. Well, that's not how we do it. But think how easy that was being a manager three, five, 10 years ago. Here's how yeah. we do it. And you crack the whip and everyone does it the same way. Chop, now, chop, chop. It's so yep. complicated. Everyone's different. different. Different influences, different outputs. And when you do it, it's much harder being a manager or being a leader today than it was being a manager three or five years ago. Yeah. Everybody now is, is looking for some flexibility and, and you still have people who want to work Monday to Friday, nine to five. I did some research, uh, three quarters of the population works Monday to Friday, nine to five. Mm. And now we're talking about changing that. So that's a lot of people coming up with a change. Um, do, do businesses still sort of run Monday to Friday, nine to five? Exactly. We used to joke about bankers, you know, bankers, oh yeah, 10 to three. Um, yeah. Banks are now open yeah. on the weekends. Uh, you know, you can do Saturday, Sunday banking. So the world is changing. And finally, we're talking about changing how we engage with our people at the ultimate, ultimate change. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and maybe sooner than later. I know that five-year thing, but uh, you wonder... For, for employers who are really on board with it, for employees who are on board with it, I wonder how much push there'll be to get it done now while we're still in that time where people are, boy, I like the flexibility right. before we start getting back to the, or as close to, because I agree with you, Michael, we're not ever going to go back to the way it was, um, but as close as when this start, sort of starts normalizing out again people are, are probably going to want, no, let's get on this now, let's, while we're open-minded and thinking different. Mm -hmm. Well, well that's we... a good point. I think we're going to reflect and say, you know what? Oh, COVID flexibility was easy compared to yeah. four-day work week. Yeah. 
I think we're reflecting this and, and sort of laugh that we sort of struggled and talked about some flexibility in 2022 and 2023, when in 2025 or six, we're talking about a four-day work week. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why the kind of long-term and short-term questions in the in the research was important because, you know, yes, we want four-day work weeks. Okay, but when is that actually going to be plausible, right, for, for us to actually say, you know, coming into this year, coming into next year, where are we then and how close are we to the four-day work week? Because you mentioned the, you know, businesses that are nine to five as well. And, and I think about, you know, when you say flexibility, I think about, well, you might want to take a Friday off or a Monday off or a Tuesday off because you think that this business can be taken care of on that day because something is open that you need, right? A doctor's appointment or whatever. But um, that complexity can come into the situation as well if other places are completely closed on not just Saturday, Sundays, but maybe in the middle of the week. Um, But another point is accommodations, right? People with disabilities and you know, things that need to be considered, like when during the day they want to work, when during the day is most productive for them, uh, how much of a break that they're getting between tasks and throughout the day. So uh, I think there are a lot of great places to explore. Um, any last comments or words before we let you go? You know, I think it's very, very exciting. I think, you know, of all the we've talked a lot in the last couple of years and COVID change and flexibility. I think this is sort of the ultimate change. We're headed here. I think you're right. Will it be five years? Will it be less? I think some companies with a lot of bravery are going to attempt it. And there's going to be some hiccups. And it may not sure. work from the beginning. But it's, it's the brave ones with a, with a lot of forward ideas. And people who buy in, uh, their, their teams, they're looking for some flexibility. They're the ones who are going to succeed. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that it's still going to be trial and error for a while, and especially because of that communication aspect. You know, are we all on the same page? How can we get on the same page and keep moving? Thank you so much, Michael. Always very insightful talking to you. I love being on with you. Thank you. Thank you. Michael French from Robert Half Canada joining us to discuss the newest workplace trend, which is the four-day work week. We're not necessarily in it as of yet, but these are some of the discussions around how to make it happen, if it's going to happen, and why or why not. Um, After the break, though, Kelly gave us some hints, not all. We got lots of surprises on the way at the weekly roundtable. And the host of the Globe and Mail show, our guest for the roundtable, is Corinne Van Dusen. We'll be back with all that fun stuff on Kelly and Ramya after the break. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Welcome back. This is Kelly and Ramya on AMI, and we're getting through the show just fine here on a Thursday afternoon. And speaking of Thursday afternoon, it's that time of the day where we hand things off to Kelly for the Kelly takeover. Just well, we it's call it something else. been one of those things that have kind of, like you said, maybe been hinting a lot. But now that I look back and say, look at this show, yeah, I can definitely see a pattern. Oh, yeah? Definitely know it's going to emerge within a few minutes here on the round table. So uh, before we introduce our guests, let's jump into the Thursday round table. Isn't it convenient that we have a round table? Well, it's actually oval. Just say it. The blind guy feels it now, goes, well, I don't know, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. So we do this on Thursdays. I pull out a few things to discuss. We welcome in a guest to the program to join Ramya and I. So, of course, you know Ramya's here. And we welcome in to this open conversation on a variety of subjects, Corinne Van Dusen, host of the Globe and Mail show uh, on AMI-audio, which, I mean, I've got to say, what a show, well put together. You guys do a great job delivering. And it's been a bit since we've had you on the show. So, of course, welcome back. Welcome to the new version of our program. And while you're saying hey and all that stuff, tell us a little bit about the Globe and Mail show, please. Give us a plug. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Kelly and Ramya, for having me here. Really appreciate it. Uh, Globe and Mail today, 
live audio reading show every morning, 8 a.m. Eastern. Mike Ross and I bring you articles from the award-winning newspaper. So you're going to hear editorials, international, national, entertainment, sports, and all the good stuff that they have there. Um, so it does, we do read it live. So it's as though we're reading the paper directly to you in the morning. Should you want to hear it in the afternoon or the evening, it does repeat 4 p.m. Eastern and midnight. Um, tell us about live reading like that. I mean, a traditionally AMI originally was a reading service, but we could stop and start. You and I know enough about that from our previous work <laughs> here with the network. But what's it like to actually do this form live? It'd be like reading a, an audio book live or reading news which isn't necessarily written to be read out loud. Right. There still is a prep work to go into it. So we pick the articles ourselves and then we... Uh, prepped them all. So we read them before, but then once the mic goes on, I picture it as I'm reading to a friend, you know, you're sitting right. beside me. I'm like, Hey, this is an interesting article. Why don't we listen to this? So, you know, there's going to be a stumble here or there because it is live, but you know, if you're, if you're having a conversation with them, just as I did, if you're, if you're, that's going to happen sometimes. And an audience is never going to complain about that. They just love having access to the content. And no matter what the work we've done, and folks, I guarantee it, on this show, the work is absolutely first class. Okay, Corinne, wonderful, as said, mentioned to have you back here on the program. I've got something particular I want to get to with you here, but i got a few things to go through first. Now, the Manitoba government is set to announce a second, bigger round of financial aid to help people deal with the rising costs of living. Take a listen. Last fall, the government issued checks to low-income seniors and some families. A new round of checks to be revealed today will cover more people, the Premier's office says, while still having an income threshold. The program will cost $200 million, more than double the last round. The Premier has said this will help people fight inflation. The opposition New Democrats accuse the government of buying votes. Steve Lambert, The Canadian Press, Winnipeg. So... I've got to come to you about it, Karen, right off the bat, because I'm I'm wondering if you guys have, have reflected some of this on the program, on the Global Mail show, of what you may have seen, what you may have read. Because, in my opinion, this happens in certain places, whether it's population-based of what the government can do, whether it's just a, hey, no government can do this, but it has to be done. Um, I'm not, not so sure on it being a fix. We know there's been packages all around the world in different places to support people uh, through the pandemic. Now we're getting a different reason, still somewhat back to the pandemic, I'm sure, but with inflation. Your thoughts? Uh, with inflation and such, yes, there's a lot of different financial aids uh, being discussed and moved around and being applied. Uh, not just the Manitoba government, we've also talked about the federal government doing it with the climate change, uh, the climate right. checks. I don't know if you've gotten those or not, but uh, those come out. The Ontario government has given money back in ways uh, such as renewing license plate fees. You don't have to pay those anymore, right. so you've got a refund for that. So the more financial aid of Manitoba, I think during this time, is something that a government can do. Um, yes, it costs money, but it costs money to run a government um, and helping people living in your province. Ramya, we talk a lot about waste and food waste, particularly clothing waste. Uh, right now, we, would you think that some of this money should go to education and to remind us of, hey, let's not be so wasteful. Here's better ways to spend your money when it comes to groceries. Or, or, or is it so much work so lofty, it's a little easier to say, here, here's a bit of money. Yeah, I mean, I'm not brave enough to actually pick and choose where the money should go and shouldn't go, because I think that whoever is in government right now, whoever was in government in 2020 up until now, um, they've had to face unprecedented challenges, right? And and truly, like, it's a, it's a project, it's ongoing, as Corinne, you pointed out, like, things are changing and changing constantly because we, there's really no right answer or right way to do it. Now, obviously, we heard the competition side of it when another uh, side of government goes, oh, well, they're, they're just wanting to get more votes. So I don't know, really, if there's a better and worse way to hand out the money. But in any case, giving some money towards or reimbursing to some degree is helpful to anybody in most situations um, because we're all struggling to, to some level. Corinne, any other idea for yourself that you think, is this the way to go? Is it, obviously, I know it's straightforward, the simplest. 
Mm -hmm, Definitely. The idea of putting it towards education, yes, is a good idea. But how do you do that? Do you do you do that by uh, re-jigging curriculum? Do you do that with PSAs, like getting the word out there? Or do you know, do you let people decide how they need to spend this money Mm -hmm. because they know what their finances are right now? That's a question. Yeah. And you're you're not going to get like some people are going to go out and buy a new stereo system and that's again you can't control that but you also can't punish those who say man we need to help here and this is the way we need it i could do so much if i had that little extra that i could distribute there are those who will think ahead and, and be able to do it uh ladies thank you um a delta police officer suggests the stigma around mental health may have contributed to drivers honking and yelling at a man in a mental health crisis on Al, uh, bc's alex fraser bridge Acting Inspector James Sandberg suggests that while the people's uh, police decision was made to uh, close lanes while talking to the man may have made uh, people frustrated, um, people might have reacted differently if it was a car crash that lanes were closed for. Am I talking about mental health stigma? Uh, I would would suggest so. Uh, The public behavior that we saw... I believe was likely directly related to the type of event we were investigating or participating in. So southbound lanes of the bridge, the southbound lanes were closed for eight hours until a police negotiator was able to convince the man to come back around to the other side of the bridge. Uh, Ramya, to me, when you hear the officer speak that way, it sounds like our, what, oh, people just intolerant of having to wait, having to hold back because they're being held up. Uh, or is he right? Is there something there that as we get upset, as we go through things, and this is one other thing, these lanes are closed, I have to sit and wait, is that more of a mental health reaction? There is so much mental health reaction. We can't even begin to identify on during this conversation how much in our daily lives we... Um, you know, experience something or witness something and react towards the stigma or react inappropriately. And this could be something we're aware of and can reflect on. And other times it's just so normalized, right? Like, for examples, uh, as an example, certain neighborhoods, priority neighborhoods around Toronto, you just kind of assume that you'll see these kinds of people, quote unquote, uh, when you get to those places or when you get to these parts of downtown. And all of these are just various examples of stigma around mental health challenges and people who need the support but aren't getting it. And our tolerance or acceptance of people needing different supports. And it's just the language we use, the way we react and respond, the way we dismiss, all of it plays into the stigma. I find it interesting, Corinne, when we think about reaction to things that make us frustrated, annoyed, you know, when you get mad at something at home and you're talking to yourself or upset, and and I think here here's somebody in trouble, all sorts of people going by, honking, being mad because they're being held up. And you yourself have seen, I'm sure, numerous cases of transit or, or road rage that we either just shake our heads at and, oh, they're having a bad day. And we know all of us go through at times our own mental health issues, let alone people who are really struggling. Right. I was actually thinking about this more since I was a, I'm was a former traffic reporter mm-hmm. <laughs> in regards to the first thing that came into my head was um, there's there's no point. If there's any closure, there's no point in honking. You know, why are you honking? Right. Honestly, um, regardless of what's going on, the closes of bridges are going to get people extra, extra frustrated because that's the only way in and out of certain areas. Right. But when it comes to, you know, see witnessing something that has to do with mental health and then honking and and yelling. Yeah, it's it's a stigma that we have to get over. Um, It's frustrating, as you said in a car during rush hour, during any time to begin with when there is a slowdown or a closure. Um, But can't go anywhere. Exactly. And what's honking going to do? That's what I always say to myself. If I'm sitting in a car and someone's honking, I'm like, what's, what's that going to do? You're not warning anyone of anything. You're just, you're just being frustrated. And that's not something Mm -hmm. that you can do. We're also tightly wound, as it is when in those situations, because you're thinking, I have somewhere to go, I'm stressed out about enough things on my mind as it, as it is. And as we were talking with Mike Fair earlier about some of those things, taking that time to um, decompress. I mean, 
practicing mindfulness to yep. relieve uh, anxiety mm -hmm. uh, is is really can be just as effective as medication, according to some recent research uh, published in JAMA Society. Uh, uh, excuse me, it published in JAMA Psychiatry. Take a listen. Practicing mindfulness, the focus on controlled breathing and body awareness exercises showed promise of lowering anxiety equal to prescribed medication. The study tracked people who spent two months using mindfulness-based interventions. Participants reported they felt lower anxiety to the same extent as those prescribed anxiety medication. Doctors say the study shows mindfulness techniques could be a viable alternative for people who have side effects from drugs, but say more research is needed. Michelle Franzen, ABC News. Ramya, we had a good talk yesterday with Grant on this subject. Your thoughts when you hear this? Oh, no, this is absolutely real. And, you know, Corinne, to your last response um, with the other item, I was thinking the same thing. Just check ourselves. If we're having problems and challenges with other people or uncontrollable circumstances because we're frustrated, we're busy, we need to be somewhere ASAP, we're running late, then we need to check ourselves and our lifestyles and the way that we're responding. And this is a great addition to that, right? Mindfulness practices and understanding how much of uh, a difference that could actually make just to take a couple seconds to breathe, just to hold your tongue before reacting, just to, you know, blink a few times um, before, you know, swearing or cussing somebody out or whatever it may be is... Or honking huge. that horn while you're sitting yes. in the car. Honking. Just relax, exactly. right, Corinne? Instead exactly. of, you know, honking, be mindful. And so they're tapping on the window or they're honking at you. Would you stop and move along? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's probably the better and more healthy thing to do. I'm going to switch gears, folks, because this is a subject I've heard you guys talk about. A big announcement was made by Buckingham Palace over the weekend. Here are some details from London. Buckingham Palace has just released new details on King Charles's coronation. A weekend jam-packed with celebrations for us here in the UK with an extra day off as a holiday. The palace revealing the king and queen will be crowned on Saturday, May 6th at Westminster Abbey, where kings and queens have been crowned since 1066. There will be a ceremonial procession back to Buckingham Palace, followed by a royal balcony appearance. But just who will be on that famous balcony? A question mark still hangs over whether we will see Harry and Meghan the Duke and Duchess of Sussex at the event. Uh, you know I'm going to come to you both for your own feelings, your reflections on when you hear that. I just want to add, first, the coronation will be a solemn service presided over by Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, Justin Welby. But the palace also plans that weekend of events uh, and highlight the various communities and cultures that contribute to modern Britain. Corinne, floor is yours. What do you have to say about this stuff? I know you keep an eye on it a bit. Oh, I do. I am up <laughs> on the Harry and Meghan saga. I have listened to the book. I have watched the documentaries. I have seen the Oprah interview. I can quote them <laughs> so much. So, but <laughs> I think it's a great idea to bring everything together to show the diversity as much as as much as you can in a place like Britain, where it has a lot of different people there, and bringing them together for this after the pandemic, after being locked down for so long, after mourning the queen uh, who passed away, it's bringing, as they would say, British people together. Um, you know, you have to think of, of stuff the monarchy does that is, is not very favorable to a lot of people. But with this, mm -hmm. I think it kind of brings us a, wow, there's going to be a king and a queen. There's more of a fairy tale sort of thing happening here. It'll, it'll almost distract, we'll say, people for a little bit. Is Harry going to be there? possibly megan i doubt it but mm. you never know yeah. you never know because they are if you watch the documentary they are all about pr they're all about putting stories out there so what better story to put the eyes on everyone than having harry and megan walk out in the balcony ramya yeah no i mean I, it, this cannot be a drama for events like if megan doesn't come that will be the drama uh but i like your perspective on it corinne because it sounds very positive you know optimistic and i i think that everything is strategic no matter how it's done with the royals and with all this pr it's always strategic and that goes down to everything that we've uh done leading up to this with harry and megan but i don't know i don't know what to expect i'm more of a follow afterwards you know get the tea post event
Mm -hmm. Corinne, thumbs up on the book? Uh, it was a lot. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so if you listen mm. to the audiobook, it's read by Prince Harry, mm -hmm. which gives it a little more oomph to what he's saying because he's saying it. Awesome. And awesome. I'm sure you've heard all the audio that's come out about certain chapters and yes. the like, but just hearing it from his, you've never heard a royal biography, autobiography like this before because no one's written wow. one while mm -hmm. the invent of audiobooks. So to hear yeah. it from his voice makes it, it extra, I will say. Host of the Global Mail Show, 8 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Time on AMI-audio. Corinne Van Dusen joining us. Thanks, Corinne. We'll get you back out here soon. Thank you. I'll give my royal wave as I go. <laughs> <Pip -pip. laughs> we do the roundtable every Thursday at this time. We're going to take a quick break and come back to wrap up the show. Find out what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown, the Friday edition, as well as Kelly and Romeo. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. As we wrap up the Thursday edition of Kelly and Rumia, we want to send you off with some content from today's show to check out. Revisit this on your favorite podcast platform. We upload the show with hour one and hour two, so half a show each. Check it out on your favorite podcaster. And on the Thursday edition, we've gotten a bit of a theme going on. Not that we have to highlight that, but Kels, <laughs> anything particular you want to point to? Well, I'm going to jump. I know we have the best of the buzz available via podcast, mm -hmm. so you can look for AMI Audio Podcast and the best of the buzz. But I've really been enjoying some of the stuff Billy has been bringing, but more so the conversations we get into. Um, today we talked a little bit about the doomsday clock and different things that Billy brings. We are able to get to his three items today. But I'm, I'm just finding when we are able with the buzz lately to reflect, boy, yeah. It gets interesting. Uh, I know sometimes we give our opinions. We don't necessarily come to some kind of solution, nor are we asked to or supposed to. Um, but it's been a lot of fun and, and you know, getting into some of the things we're learning that Billy is bringing to us uh, of late has really been tremendous. So today, enjoyed the buzz. Go check it out. And uh, beware, the first Saturday of the month, the best of the buzz comes out. It's a great segment for us to listen to each other. You know, not always do we share perspectives on um, stories that he brings and topics that he brings to the table. So absolutely great conversations. Uh, also, earlier we talked to Mike Fair about Apple's Fitness Plus services and how their meditation offerings are quite good for the blind low vision community, specifically accessible and verbal, which means that you can participate pretty fully we don't want to toss that out there completely but he had an insightful review of it so check it out as well on your favorite podcast platform now let's move on to the friday edition of now with dave brown check him and the gang out 9 a.m eastern time on ami tv another two hour show full of content paul daniel is one of the producers and he's here to give us a preview hello paul Hello, Ramya. On tomorrow's show, the Friday news panel, made up of Jody Gupta from The Pulse, journalist, Mich journalist Michelle McQuig and Dave Brown, will be talking about some of the big stories of the week, including this interesting story from out of Winnipeg. The, the municipal government there is considering matching statutory holiday time with the culture and religious priorities of its staff. So in other words, they can substitute existing statutory holidays for days that are more meaningful to them. The panel will consider what, this thing, what they think of this idea, and also, could this be a template for other provinces to consider? Mm -hmm. Entertainment critic Michael McNeely will be reviewing three films he's been uh, he's seen at the uh, Sundance Film Festival, including a film titled Still, starring Michael J. Fox. And Friday wouldn't be Friday if we didn't have Karen McKay from the Center for Equitable Library Access, who will give us her feature selections in observance of Family Literacy Day, which is tomorrow. All the titles she mentions are the kind of books parents can read with their children. But a warm, what a warm idea for a cold day. Oh, I love you that. Hey, nice, yes, and nice. we also talked statutory holidays on Monday here on the show with Daniel McLaughlin, and I am enjoying the idea and prospects of us being able to pick our own days off. Kind of love right. it. Like swap them in and out. And we yeah. talked literacy yes. with Lucia this week mm -hmm. as well. So Good really themes. interesting themes. Paul, thank you for being a part of the themes. Yeah. Oh, man. 
we celebrate. That's what I do. We celebrate the little things. <laughs> I like how he just like, accepts. Speaking of which, Paul Day, here I am. He has no idea. Yeah, <laughs> he you. has no idea. He's, He's like, like, if you say yeah, so. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I can't deny. I can't deny. I can't deny gravity. Okay. Yeah, uh, why yeah. am I here, yeah. eh, Paul? <laughs> Story of my life. Why am I here? Paul, thank you. Have a great show tomorrow, and we'll catch you Monday. Take care. On uh, Fridays at the end of the show, we'd like to give you some ideas of what's going on AMI-TV and AMI-audio over the weekend. But that show, now with Dave Brown, you can check out Monday to Fridays, 9 a.m. Eastern. And let's see what's coming up on our show tomorrow. We have the Chatty Bookshelf with Ryan Huey, a Friday staple where we talk all things audiobooks. And we're talking about sci-fi for beginners. He's got a couple series that he wants to highlight for us, Ryan Huey. Wow, cool. John Beeler tomorrow tells us something that I don't know if we should be surprised or not, Ramya, on his app update. TikTok confirms that its own employees can decide what goes viral. Ooh. Control! Absolute power. Control. Wow. TikTok just keeps getting worse and worse. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. All right. Well, thank you very much, Kelly, for spending the Thursday with me. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow, Friday. So thanks for spending your precious time with us. And visit again at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI. Kelly and Ramia. fabulous to try out new technology and new equipment and have the latest thing on the market and know that there is improvement all the time going on, especially when it comes to accessibility. But sometimes don't you just love your go-to? I have been using new things for the last couple of weeks because of our transition from audio only to TV. And Everything has changed from the microphones we use to the headsets to the equipment like the actual laptop, the way I read my notes and scripts and all the above. But when we get these few chances, they feel fewer now, but these few chances to go back to that old audio and crank it up in your big cans overhead headphones and sit in front of your familiar mic, your familiar pop filter and use that same old focus right to get it done it just feels so good and i i think that you know we're all creatures of old habits so even sitting back in that old audio studio studio 5 feels like a familiar place to be and it's just nice i'm saying i recognize that it's always good to keep improving and keep upgrading and updating but sometimes it's just nice to go back to what you used to know and what still feels good hi i'm red sale inviting you to download the latest episode of my life in books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives their work and three books that have resonated with them that's my life in books available wherever you get your ami podcasts